Greetings to all of God's people. This is again Mordecai Joseph, and we are now in chapter 52 of Isaiah in lesson 47. And last time we reached up to this point, and in verse 11 we read, speaking about the people of God, God is speaking to His own people, the people of Israel, the whole message. Remember Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 1, the vision of uh, Isaiah to Judah and Jerusalem. Uh, somewhere down the road, some people began to spiritualize many things that they read in the Bible and say, well, that, that speaks about us. Well, God is speaking about His own people, the people of Israel. And He's including, obviously, those in whom His Spirit is. But in specific, He's speaking to His nation, to His people, to all of Israel. It's a message to all of Israel, not just to the very few among them. In verse 11, He says, Depart, depart. Go out from there, touch no unclean thing, go out from the midst of her, be clean. Speaking about his people coming out of Babylon, in other words, in the past 2,000 years and even before that, when the Jews went into captivity into the land of Babylon, time went by, they picked up uh, its own theology, integrated it to a degree with the, with the religion of God, and got all mixed up in many ways. And God is giving them this message from the beginning until the end. You know, there are two churches of you. One is false, one is true. And the people of Israel should be of the true church. And they should come out of anything that is of Babylon. And that's a message for thousands of years, not only for our day. For all the children of Israel who would read this very scripture, God is telling them, come out of Babylon. Don't be a part of it. Don't partake anything out of it. Originally, I brought your father Abraham, out of this land of Babylon. And as I told him to come out of Babylon, come to the land of Israel, so I'm telling you too. And so in verse 11, this is what we read, a message to all of Israel, throughout all generations. And obviously those who have the Holy Spirit and live at the time that they read it, any given time, be it a thousand years ago, five hundred years ago, and today, we all have exactly the same message. Depart Depart, God tells us. Go out from there. Touch no unclean thing. Go out from the midst of her. Be clean. In other words, don't take, you know, her attitudes and her theology and her teachings and her outlook on supposedly religion, religion of God. Just come out of it totally. Be separate from it. Don't be partakers of anything that is of Babylon. And we have to find out what is of Babylon and what is of God. When people don't know that, they don't know what to come out of. And so he says, You who bear the vessels of the eternal, for you shall not go out with haste, nor go by flight, for the eternal will go before you, and the God of Israel will be your rear guard. So this one is in specific to the generation that will come out of it uh, physically also. And God will deliver them. And yet, God is going to deliver all the tribes of Israel. He's going to bring them back out of Babylon, out of the land of Assyria, out of this country, in that country, in the other country. And he's going to bring them back into his nation, to his people, to their heritage, to their city, to be restored to the religion that he gave them originally. And so that's, that's basically what we read. God wants them to come out of it, not be partakers of the afflictions that are coming upon Babylon. And so he continues to speak after that about the one that is going to bring them deliverance, 
As you read in verse 13, Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high, just as many were astonished at you. So his visage was marred more than any man. And so Isaiah is going to tell us, who is that man? And the fact that one of these days, uh, the people that didn't believe, didn't hear, didn't know, they're going to know. And the whole world is going to know. And his own people in specific is going to know. And his people Judah, whom, among whom he came. As I said, he came to his own. His, his own rejected him. Speaking about the nation as a whole, not about the individuals. But they too are going to know. And so, Isaiah is saying to his people, verse chapter 53 and verse 1, he says, who has believed our report? We tell you. We inform you. We give you the word of God. Again and again, so many ways. But nobody believes it. So he says, who believed our, who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the eternal been revealed? And here is speaking uh, about the Father. Because he revealed his Son to the world. And yet the world has not recognized him. And verse 2, he speaks about him, for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground, which he came to his own people, to Israel, to his church, to his wife, that is at least the remnant of them that were in the land, the majority even of Judah were all around, in Babylon, Edom, Moab, Arab uh, countries at the time, you know, they were not Arab countries at the time, but in Arabia, and many places all around the earth, Rome, other parts, and so, he's the one speaking specific about the people of Judah and Jerusalem. And so, he came to them as a root out of the ground, and he has no form, no comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. So, it's we and him. That is, we, the people of Israel, and him. That's what the message is all about. We and him. He is despised and rejected by men. And that is us. A man of sorrows, that is a man that is acquainted with sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we, see, that's the message that is constantly there. We, the people of God, the church of God. We, the wife of God. When the husband came in the flesh, we did not recognize him because we were blind. And that's what the, the God of Israel, the husband of Israel, Cause Isaiah, his prophet, to record for his own people, to understand, to realize. So when he opens their eyes, they will understand that. And that's the way it happens with every one of them. And it says, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our grief. So it's a we and him, that is a we is Israel. Whole context, context here is about Israel. We. And him. And so he bore our, surely he had borne our griefs, that is our sicknesses, and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God. That's the one that sent him. And afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, and he was bruised for our iniquities. And the message, remember, Isaiah 1.1, the vision of Isaiah concerning Judah, in Jerusalem. And that's the context that we should read it from. And of course he died for the sins of all mankind. But the emphasis here, as God wants it to be placed here, and for his people to know, it is for the sins of his wife that he died. Why? So he can redeem her. 
and wash her and cleanse her and purge her and purify her with his own blood and make her again a bride without spots and without blemishes. And those who have no background don't understand this chapter. And for that matter, don't understand the whole book. And they get mixed up. And so when they come to the New Testament, they are totally mixed up. Because to begin with, they have no background. They don't know what the context is all about. And they apply it conveniently to themselves. And only to themselves. And so he's saying here, but he was wounded in verse 5 for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. So he's telling you, even though, even though we were responsible for that, and rejected him, and despised him, and crucified him, yet the sickness that is in us, we the people of Judah, and Jerusalem, and then all of Israel, and then all the rest of the nations of the earth, we are healed. So that's not the end of the story of what we have done. But he said, understand the purpose of it. That's what the grace of God is all about, in spite of us. To heal us and cleanse us. That is when we repent, not when we don't. Sacrifice is not cheap. It's not for those who don't, do not repent, because they're not, those who do not, you know, that kind of a mind, they're not going to even be written in the book of life. So he didn't die for them. And his death for them would not do them any good, unless they repent. And so it says, by his stripes, we are healed. So it's a sure salvation in that sense, from the point of view of God. Which means, regardless of what you have done all this time, remember, he's going throughout the whole book from the beginning of time, discussing the sins of Judah and Jerusalem, and the sins of Israel. And yet he tells them, that's the way the Father wants it. God is going to heal you and take you back to himself. And so he said, All we like sheep, in verse 6, have gone astray, we have turned everyone to his own way, but the Eternal has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So there is forgiveness there, not rejection. As the false religion said, well, you know, you all Jews, you all go to hell. You know? That was their, their feeling. And that's why they didn't mind killing them, and murdering them, and in, high, you know, in a state of hypocrisy and bigotry, you know, they said, well, you are Christ killers. We all killed him. Our sin killed him. Anybody who ever sinned is responsible for the death of the one that gave his life for us, our creator. And yet the attitude of God was different. Yes, you killed me. You did all those things to me, but I'm going to heal you and take you back to me. And to begin with, nobody's going to hell anyway. And so in verse 7, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. And he was led as a down to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shares is silent. So he opened not his mouth, and was taken into prison, and from prison and judgment. And who will declare his generation? That is his genealogy, his future. For he was cut off from the land of the living. Why? For the transgressions of my people he was stricken. Who are the people of Isaiah? God makes it very plain, whole message, with the emphasis on Judah and Jerusalem, and then all the rest of Israel, for that matter, all the rest of the Jews that were not in the land, and they were not responsible for what happened there. They were not even aware of it, didn't even know what was happening. 
So obviously they cannot be guilty of that person who was speaking, but as a whole, because of sin, regardless of who we are and what generation we were born, before or after, we're all guilty. And yet, God makes it very plain. It is for your transgression that I came to die. In other words, I, you know, you can say the husband is saying uh, to, to his wife, it's because of you. It's because of you that I died. But that does not mean I'm going to send you into hell or into the grave or reject you or cut you off. And I hear that all the time from people who are totally ignorant of the scriptures. They think they know. And they say, well, Israel were the people of God until uh, he came in the flesh. And then uh, once he died, that's it. That's it. They're no longer his people. Now we are his people. That's an absolute lie and deception and ignorance. And that's the teaching of Babylon. And God is telling us, come out of Babylon. Don't believe in lies. He inspired us there to make it very plain. That he died for the, for the iniquities of his own wife. So he can heal her. See? He's not concentrating on the guilt. They're guilty. So Isaiah makes it very plain. Because God inspires him to write it this way. It is for the transgressions of my people. He was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked. But with the rich at his death. Because he had done no violence. No was any deceit in his mouth. Yet. Yet. This is what people forget. Yet it pleased the eternal, to bruise him. Because God planned it that way. And he allowed Satan to inject that evil spirit and dark spirit in the mind and the heart of the very people of God, members of the wife of God, of the true church of God. He caused it to be that way so he can bring her healing to Judah and to Jerusalem and to the rest of Israel and to the rest of mankind. That was the plan of God. And yet instead of understanding all that and comprehending it and be thankful for it, because they were of a wrong spirit, an evil spirit, the people that claim to be in the church of God, the church of Christ on this earth, the kingdom of Christ on this earth, and all those that came from her, being of the wrong spirit, they turned against the people of God, the church of God, the true church of God, though they were in ignorance. So they were unconverted. Yet they are, they were, and they would always be the church of God. And that includes all the race of Israel. And so God said, verse 10, Yet it pleased the eternal, speaking about the Father, to bruise him. That is to crush him. He has put him to grief. Why? When you make his soul an offering for sin. That's why. God offered his own son. Because he so loved his church, his people, and the whole earth. That's why. So his death was not because of just wickedness on the part of his people. It was there. But his death was to fulfill the plan of God. Genesis 1.26 Let us make men in our image and in our likeness. His purpose was to restore his wife to himself so she can be a light to the nations so that this can come to pass and be a reality because that was the part of the process of Genesis 1.26 for God to come down to this earth to marry a wife to have a church that's why he called Abraham and then his seeds and they get a covenant with them and his descendants and I told him you're going to be always with me no matter what 
because that's a part of the plan to bring all of Israel uh, that is uh, first to bring all of Israel back to him and then to bring all of humanity and so this was a part of the process and people did not understand it they just concentrated on the act itself and directed all their venom and hatred and bigotry and hypocrisy against the people of God and constantly butchered them whenever they could why? because they were members of the false church the counterfeit church the true children of Satan even though they were accusing the people of God of being that well, whenever we sin we are all of the devil regardless, even the righteous ones in that moment we are not of God in other words, the spirit that is in us when we are sinning is not of God it's of Satan so all of us to one degree are still children of our father the devil whenever we do his bidding but generally speaking these are the people of God who have been persecuted by the people who claim to be the people of God who are liars and to this very day are liars and many of us still don't comprehend that properly we should be able to understand it better and so this is what God was doing so where is the reason and what is the reason for anti-Semitism or hatred against the Jew or calling him Christ killer that tells you about the attitude and spirit and I can see that even among the people of God there is a lot of hatred there against the people of God and that's foolishness because we are all the people of God speaking about the people of Israel of all the tribes of Israel verse 11 he shall see the labor in other words uh, in verse 10 it was of God to happen to deliver you know, the, you know, the people of God and he did it to bring him as an offering of sin for all of mankind as you read in uh, Leviticus uh, 16 that's what Israel the wife of God was enacting every single year and this is what it was all about for the atonement of the sins of Israel in specific because if Israel is not redeemed the whole world cannot be redeemed because that's the process that God had chosen to do it just like if Christ didn't die for our sins we couldn't be redeemed and that's the way it goes and so he allowed him to become and caused him to become a sin offering for all mankind and so in verse 10 in the middle he says he shall see his seed that is the result of that where he's going to bring many sons to glory he shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the eternal shall prosper in his hand which is to bring many sons to glory through this sacrifice to bring back Israel to himself to bring the church the true church all of Israel that are going to be saved and the ones grafted along with them and then through them to bring salvation to all mankind and of course in the future the way it's going to happen what people don't understand just like the first marriage on Sinai some of them were spiritual among those like Moses like Aaron later on the elders to whom God gave the spirit like Joshua so all along the, the, the church of God always traveled so to speak on two levels existed on two levels where a small minority will be spiritual and the rest are carnal and physical and so it is today and so it will be in the future when Christ comes back some of us will be spirit beings some members of the church will become spirit beings but the rest would still be carnal physical that is flesh and blood and will have the Holy Spirit and the entirety altogether are the church of God and some people think the church is only the ones who are going to be spirit beings and they have no understanding that's not the way God functions that's not the way he functioned in the past that's not the way he's going to function in the future 
Just like in the past 2,000 years, when a group of believers followed Christ. Well, they believed, they believed in Christ and taught their children that way, and they received the Holy Spirit, but the children didn't have it, and sometimes their mates didn't have it, and yet they were all sanctified, and they were all called the Church of God. Yet some of them were spiritual, and the others were not. So it was always the same. There was nothing new about it in that sense. Like Father Abraham, he had the Spirit of God. Sarah had the Spirit of God in her. But Isaac didn't until he grew up. And uh, his household didn't, you see. It, it's, it's, a, it's a matter of uh, on a two-level basis. And so it is. And people don't even understand how the church functions and how would, uh, the, the marriage line would be. Not understanding that, they get confused. They don't know what the church is. They think only the few of us, the called out ones, are the church and the rest are not. No, all of them are the church of God. All of them are the wife of God. Only some are going to be spirit beings because they've been prepared and ready for it, and the others gradually will come along as time goes by. But all of them are members of the true church of God. Once you understand that, then it's easier to understand what God is talking about from the beginning until the end. And so it says in verse 11, He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied by his knowledge, my righteous servant. The Father is speaking here through Isaiah. My righteous servant shall justify many, not condemn them to destruction. Uh, you know, Christ said very plainly, I didn't come to, to destroy, I came to save. And yet people went about destroying the people of God because they were children of the devil themselves. In spirit, and so by, my, by his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities, not kill them, not destroy them, not send them to hell, as some people preach, you know, which is a false doctrine anyway. But he's going to bear their iniquities. He's going to justify them. And then when you come to the New Testament and you hear this terminology, the justification and the forgiveness and the grace, if you had no background, you don't know what they're talking about. You must have the background to understand what the apostles are talking about. And people that don't, just don't understand the New Testament. Get it all mixed up. And so it says, And he shall bear their iniquities. In verse 12, Therefore I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Why? Because he poured his soul unto death. And why did he do it? Because he wanted to wash and cleanse and purge and purify his bride, his people, his church, that sinned grievously against him. And bring her back to him now. And put his spirit in her. And write his laws in her heart. And make a new covenant with the whole house of Israel and the whole house of Judah. And that's the whole plan. Because that's the only church that he ever had and ever will. And all the rest will become children. And the few that he grafted along the way, you know, the wild olive uh, branches. That's what Paul was uh, trying to explain to people who were ignorant, who were members of the church, but had no background, and they did not understand the plan. I had partial understanding. He said, I don't want you to be ignorant, so I'm going to explain to you what is the plan of God and who truly is the church of God. And you're just a wild olive branches that were grafted in. So don't boast, he said. Don't get arrogant and haughty and proud. Otherwise, God will get rid of you. And people don't get that message to this very day, unfortunately. That's what they say. We are the church. You are not. No, God says his people Israel is the true church of God. Many are still in unbelief because God concluded them in that condition. But he's going to save all of them and that's why he died for them. 
So therefore, let's understand it from God's point of view and not the teachings of Babylon. And many of us are still too much into it without, without even realizing it. And therefore, verse 12, Therefore I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many, speaking about his own people and the rest of humanity, and made intercession for the transgressors. Not condemnation. He didn't curse them. He didn't tell the Father, kill them all. No, he made intercession. Father, forgive them. Because they do not know what they are doing. Not Father, let's destroy them. And people have to understand it from God's point of view. So let's go now to chapter 4, uh, 54, that is in verse 1. As a result, as a result, Isaiah is telling us, as a result, God is telling us and telling his church and telling his people of the of sin offering that he offered through his son, the God of Israel, the maker and creator, the husband of Israel. And now you read the end result of it for his own people. And then, later on, for the rest of mankind, chapter 54 and verse 1. Sing, O barren, you who have not born. In other words, Israel was like a wilderness. Didn't have the Holy Spirit, were not obedient, were transgressors, were like a wilderness. Were just like a woman that was barren. Couldn't bear fruit. And so he's talking to his own people. Now that God forgave your sins and iniquities, now you're going to be able to bring children who are going to have the Spirit in them. And they're going to be fruitful and bring forth fruit and then fill the face of the whole earth with it and teach all humanity. And that's what he's talking about. So if you read, the, you read it in the New Testament, like Galatians, in the book of Galatians, where Paul is addressing the Galatians and explaining to them those things, if you don't have the background, you don't know what he's talking about. And you think, well, that's only about the people that God called out of the world and the other spiritual Israel. He's talking about the, the people of Israel, the ten, twelve tribes, the church of God. That when God paid the penalty for her, now she's going to be able to bear fruit. And so he's saying, he's saying, he's saying to, his, uh, to the wife of God, to Israel, remember this is Isaiah, I remember the message. I remember the emphasis that God put on that message. Isaiah 1.1, always remember that. Judah and Jerusalem, and then the rest of the tribes of Israel. Sing, O barren, you who have not born, break forth into singing and cry aloud. You have not labored with child, for more are the children of the desolate, and Israel was because of iniquity, than the children of the married woman, says the Eternal. Enlarge the place of your tent, and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords, and strengthen your stakes. In other words, that now that God provided salvation in a way for repentance, now Israel finally is going to bear a lot of fruit. So he said, now prepare. There are going to be a lot of people out there, a lot of children. That we are going to bring forth. And even that, beginning with a sprinkling, and then a trickle, and then gradually it becomes a stream, and then sort of an a inundation of a lot of the children of Israel. In other words, a great harvest, which is a gradual one. And that's basically the coming of Christ. We're going to see a great uh, expansion of this process of salvation to all the children of Israel. And so he said... For you shall expand in verse 3, to the right and to the left. And your descendants will inherit the nations. Children of Israel is speaking about. They're going to inherit the nations. How are they going to inherit them? They're going to bring them knowledge and understanding and truth and light. And the nations will become the children of that marriage 
of the twelve tribes of Israel, the people of God, and the God of Israel. And so he says, you are going to inherit many nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. Do not fear, for you will not be ashamed, neither be disgraced. For you will not be put to shame, for you will forget the shame of your youth. You know, when you were rebellious against God. And, uh, and uh, will not remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore. For your maker is your husband. Who is the husband? And who is the wife? God is speaking to his own people. The nation of Israel. That's why Isaiah was just telling them in Isaiah 53 of the sacrifice of their God, of their husband, who gave his life so he can now give them and make uh, the door open, you know, so to speak, the way for the Holy Spirit to come and give life to that wilderness that Israel became because of sin. And now, the maker of Israel is going to, again, marry Israel. That's why he's saying here, for your husband, your maker is your husband. The eternal of hosts is his name. And your redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. He is called the God of the whole earth. For the eternal has called you like a woman forsaken and grieved in spirit, like a youthful wife when you were refused. You see, you were concluded in unbelief for a while because of your sins and iniquities, because you rejected me when I came to you. You walked in iniquities. You went into Babylon, you became a part of it, and I brought you out of it, and I died for you. So now I can wash you now and cleanse you and purge you and purify you, because I'm your husband. Never rejected you. The message is very plain. And those who have eyes to see, see it. But those who don't are blind and ignorant. They're part of Babylon. And they must come out of it, because they've been brainwashed, so to speak, with poison and deception and lies thinking that they are in the light, thinking that they have the truth. God speaks to his own people, Israel, the nation of Israel. And he says to them, For your maker is your husband. And then verse 6, For the Lord has called you like a woman forsaken and grieved in spirit, like a youthful wife when you were refused, says your God. Well, refuse only for a while. Verse 7, For a mere moment I have forsaken you, yes, forsaken you, yes, but not rejected you, but with great mercies I will gather you. With a little wrath, I hid my face from you for a moment. Blindness only in part, for a while. The apostles would tell the people. We did not know and understand that. And thought that, well, God now rejected his own wife, his own people, and now he's going to chosen us. That's foolishness. That's ignorance and blindness. That's Babylonish teaching. God made it very plain from the beginning until the end for those who can read. A lot of people read and don't know how to read properly. And so he says, with a little wrath, verse 8, I hid my face from you for a moment, that's all. But with an everlasting kindness, I will have mercy on you, says the Eternal, your Redeemer. And that's in essence what he told him in Isaiah 6. He says, you go make them blind. The people of Israel, the people of Judah, he's speaking in specific there. And deaf and dumb. And Isaiah said, well, how long? This is your wife, your people. We are your people. You are our father. You are our redeemer, our husband. How long are you going to make us like that? Well, I said, until a certain time comes, when destruction comes. In other words, from God's point of view, just for a little moment. That's all. 
And after that, he said, the holy seed shall return. God never rejected his wife. God never divorced his wife. God never cut her off. In the sense of, that's it, no more. No, just for a period of time, put them on the shelf. But still was with them, blessed them. After all the blessings that came upon Israel, as Jacob said, let me tell you about all these things that shall come upon you in the last day. Makes it very plain that God never rejected his people. Why do you think Joseph is so much blessed nowadays and the rest of Israel too? Because God never rejected his wife. That's why. And so he says in verse 9, For this is like the waters of Noah to me. For as I have sworn that the waters of Noah would no longer cover the earth, so have I sworn that I would not be angry with you, nor rebuke you, speaking to his church Israel, for the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from you, nor shall my covenant of peace be removed, says the Eternal, who has mercy on you. And people don't know what God is saying and what God is writing and have no background and they're totally confused. It's about time we begin to read the Bible with the eyes of God, with the eyeglasses of God, so to speak. And not with the blind eye, you know, eyeglasses of Babylon. And many of us have been a part of it without even realizing it, at least in part. And we thought we know it. As Paul, Paul warned, warned us, you know, he who thinks that he stands, take heed lest he fall. And many of us are falling back and going back to where we came from. You know, the dog that goes back to his own vomit, that's why. Because they never totally came out of Babylon to begin with. So it was easy for them to go back to it. And many of us are still in it to a degree and don't know it. Verse 11, O you afflicted one, tossed with tempest and not comforted, behold, I will lay your stones with colorful gems and lay your foundations with sapphires. I will make your pinnacles of rubies, your gates of crystal, and all your walls precious stones. And your children shall be taught by the eternal. You see, the children, all the while the children of Israel, are going to be taught by, by uh, the Eternal, who is the husband. As you read in verse 5, for your maker is your husband. So this husband is coming back. He's going to teach the children of Israel, the people of Israel. He's not going to forsake them. And great shall be the peace of your children in righteousness. You shall be established, and not your own righteousness. As the apostles were explaining it to the people of God and others who were coming along. It's the righteousness of God. That's why he says, I, I'm going to put my law in your heart and in your minds, because I'm going to write it. And you shall be far from oppression, and, uh, for you shall not fear, and from terror, for it shall not come near you. Verse 15, indeed, they shall surely assemble, not by, but not because of me. Whoever assembles against you shall fall for your sake. So, people are going to try to destroy Israel. God says, he's going to make them fall. And going to bring destruction on them. Verse 17, No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue which rises against you, which, the, you know, rises against you, is going to perish. And so, every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. Uh, this is the heritage of the servants of the eternal, and their righteousness is from me. And that's what the apostles were trying to explain to those who did not understand it. Where does righteousness come from? 
in contrast to the people in their day, the children of Israel, the children of the wife of God, who were going about trying to establish their own righteousness. And let's say the background of what Paul is talking about, where he came from, what he was taught from his youth, the Holy Scriptures, you don't know what he's talking about, and many people don't. They just read the New Testament, just like people going to, to see the end of the movie and think that they know it all. It doesn't work that way. That's why people are confused and in the, in the think that they're in the light when they're actually in Babylon. They're all confused. You've got to read it from the beginning until the end. Then you are in the light. And so God makes it very plain. That's the only way you're going to, to uh, come out of Babylon. Go back to the beginning. Chapter 55 of Isaiah. Verse 1. Oh, everyone that thirsts, come to the waters. So now that the way is open for the people of God to come back, that's what he's telling them, and for that matter, others too. The door is open. And you who, may, who have no money, come, buy and eat. Yet some, yes, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money for what is not bread? And that's what a lot of people are doing. They're going to this religion, that religion, this group, and that group. And they're, you know, they are... Feeding them, spoon feeding them, all kind of, all kind of uh, mixture of truth and error. And God says, well, why do you need to do that? Why do you spend money for that which is not bread? You think it's bread, but it's not. A lot of lies are being taught in the name of religion. Many shall come in my name, Christ is saying, and shall say that I am the Christ, and shall deceive many. And they come within the body of Christ, not outside. That's the emphasis that he was putting there. People were coming among my people, Israel, and going to deceive them. Oh, they're going to speak an awful lot of things about Christ. They're going to have a lot of truth. But they're still going to deceive many, and that's why people, the people of God, have been deceived. All this time to believe lies about Israel, about the true church, about the wife of God, about the people of God, about the plan of God in this manner. And so they have no understanding. So God makes it very plain for his people. Whatever you do, whatever you learn, make sure it's the truth. And not something which is not really bread. And he's, so that's what he's saying. Verse 2, why do you spend money for what is not bread? Because he knows that that's what his people are doing. And even to this very day. And your wages for what does not satisfy. And people still feel, feel empty because of that. Listen careful, carefully to me and eat what is good. And let your soul delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. In other words, don't go to man. Come to me. You cannot come to him unless you come and read his word from the beginning until the end and know exactly what God said in contrast to what people say that he said. Verse 3. Hear and your soul shall live. Otherwise you're going to die if you're going to just eat something which is not really bread. And that's what Adonis said when he came in the flesh. He says, I am the bread that came down from heaven. And unless a man eats my flesh and drinks my blood, that is my word, my teachings, my Torah. He's not going to have life in him. And so it says, you know, here, uh, that is, incline your ear, verse 3, and come to me here, and your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, the sure mercies of David. He's speaking to his own people. Verse 4. Indeed, I have given him as a witness to the people, that is, the people of Israel, a leader and commander for the people, 
Surely you shall call a nation you do not know, and nations who do not know you shall run to you, that is, to you, to the people of Israel, to Jerusalem, because of the Eternal your God and the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. You see? And then when you read this terminology in the New Testament, you can begin to understand what they're talking about. Well, whomsoever God called, he glorified. He's glorified his own people, the people of Israel. He told them that 2,800 years ago he's going to do it. So he never, ever rejected them. We can see that enormity of the lie that people have been in, you know, the darkness that people were in, thinking that they were in the light and in the truth. And so he tells his own people, verse 6, Seek the eternal while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way. His religion. Come out of Babylon. They either walk in the way of Cain, or the way of the wicked, which is the religion of the wicked, or the religion of God. And that's the way he described it. God described it. People come up with their own names for their own religions and call it the people, you know, the religions of God. And they are not. God says, this is not bread. That's not the bread that I gave you. That's a mixture of truth and error. So God says, you, you know, the wicked forsake your way. And the unrighteous man, his thoughts, let him return to the eternal, and he will have mercy on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. And that's what Isaiah the prophet is inspired by God to tell the people of Israel. Come out of that Babylon, you know, the confusion in which you are. And that, that's a message for all generations to this very day. Verse 8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways. You see? I don't think the way you do, because you've been taught lies mixed with truth. And so you're mixed up. You don't think straight. And I hear a lot of people that condemn God for this and that and the other thing, even among the people of God. And when there is many passages in the Bible, they don't understand it. They don't see it God's way. They're resentful of it. They hate it. God says, well, my thoughts are not your thoughts. No, my ways, your ways. My religion is not your religion. You've got a foreign religion. Babylon is a religion. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down, verse 10, and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word, my truth, my Torah, my righteousness, be that goes forth from my mouth, it shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please. And that's why when he came later on in the flesh, he said, Don't think that I came to destroy the Torah or the prophets. I did not come to destroy it, but to magnify it. And until heaven and earth shall pass, not one jot or one tittle shall pass from my Torah. And so that's the word he's speaking about. And the people of Babylon don't understand it, because they're in Babylon, they're confused. And so it says, And it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. For it shall go out with joy and be led out with peace. That is, out of Babylon, the mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing before you, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. And so as we read all these things, we should, we should understand what God is talking about. And then when we come to the New Testament, we'll understand what the apostles are talking about. What their mind is made of. You've got to know the background of the writer, or the author, before you know what he's talking about. And that is very important because people don't think that way. 
And now let's go to chapter uh, 57 and read verses 14 to 20, where God gives us more messages about truth. And one shall say, speaking about, uh, about what he's going to do with his people, and so Isaiah is telling us about the plans of God for his people, his church, in verse 14, and one shall say, heap it up, heap it up, prepare the way, take the stumbling block out of the way of my people, because I've been deceived and confused, that's why he's saying that, with many false doctrines. Verse 15, for thus is the, the, the high and the lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and a humble spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. For I will not contend forever, nor will I always be angry, speaking about his own people, for the spirit would fail before me, and the souls which I have made for the iniquity of his covetousness. I was angry and struck him. I hid and was angry, and he went on backsliding in the way of his heart. You see, he's speaking constantly about his people Israel, and yet God says, I'm not going to be angry forever. Verse 18, I have seen his ways and will heal him. I will also leave him and restore comfort to him and to his mourners. I create the fruit of the leaves. Peace, peace to him who is far off and to him who is near, says the Eternal. I will heal him. God is going to heal his people Israel. But the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest. And so, God says, there are wicked ones among my people and there are righteous ones. Verse 21, there is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. But for the righteous, of course there is peace. And that's why God says, those who are written in the book of life are going to be there. And they're going to be rebels among the children of Israel that would not repent no matter what. And God is going to uh, punish them for that. But as for the rest of Israel, he's going to bring them deliverance and redemption. And they shall be his people. And he's going to be their husband. And also the grafted ones. And then the, through them... Is going to fulfill his commission to call all the rest of humanity. And I think we'll stop here at this point. And this is Mordecai Joseph saying greetings to all of God's people. The preceding message was taken from the World Wide website at address www.biblestudy.org. This site is sponsored by Barnabas Ministries. Bible Study. You have questions? The Bible has answers. <laughs>